Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Let's read that one more time. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And so begins the most powerful, the most important, the most unique book ever written. The scripture, the Bible. And, you know, we talked early on in our series that we're calling the beginning of everything, the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis about how controversial it is and how people love to argue fine points of of these 11 chapters and and yet we come to the conclusion that it's bigger than we can imagine, it's bigger than we can know. In fact, it was a relatively new idea that I recently read, at least it was new to me, I was reading about how many scientists who believe our universe is a simulation. And it's seemingly fine-tuned for our benefit. According to the British astronomer Martin Rees, the values of six physical properties of the universe had to be exactly right for life to exist. Scientists don't have a real explanation. Some have proposed that we exist in a multi-universe made up of an infinite number of possible universes, and we just happen to be the one in where life is possible. Sounds like the series Fringe that was on a few years ago. There were multiple universes, and we just happened to fall into the right one. But scientists are just guessing, the same as everyone else. And the truth is, not believing in a creator is as much a matter of faith as believing in one. At some point, we need to understand that it doesn't make sense for the scripture to correspond with 21st century science, Was Moses supposed to come down from Mount Sinai with the theory of general relativity on one tablet and quantum mechanics on the other? What we know about the universe is always changing. And thousands of years from now, maybe 50 years from now, we're we're gonna, scientists will look at what we talked about in terms of the universe and what we talked about in science and they'll probably make fun of us and, and what we thought. And, and, and the truth is that it's always changing, that, that we don't have all of the right answers, that we don't have all of that. And, and here's so God in his love for us and God in his infinite wisdom 
gave us the scripture as a timeless appeal to the desires of the human heart, that, that God gave us words that were timeless, not trying, to, not trying to create all the right answers for us, not trying to be scientifically correct, but giving us words that were timeless, words that make sense to us, words that would span over thousands of years and still have meaning to people. And here's the story that we have in scriptures that God created all of these things and he created us and he created us for a relationship with him. We were created for relationship. I've always been interested in history. In fact, I was a history major in college and and the more I studied the history of Christianity, the more I saw how it validated what we believe and the, the first Jews were slaves in Egypt and they eventually escaped the Middle East, the, the, cro- to the Middle East, the crossroads of the ancient world. And, and they were a minor tribe conquered by Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, and Romans. They should have disappeared from history like the Philistines, the Midianites, the Canaanites, and every other smaller tribe from that period, but they didn't. The Jews believed a Messiah would come who would spread the worship of their God to every nation on earth and that faith allowed them to survive thousands of years of hardship and tragedy. Then one day, a penniless Jewish preacher showed up claiming to be the Son of God. Jesus wandered around the backwater province of the Roman Empire for a few years, gathered a few disciples, and was crucified. And that should have been the end of his religion. His followers were persecuted minority of a persecuted minority There was no reason to think his crucifixion was the beginning of a religion that would change the world, just as there was no reason to think that the Jews would still be around more than 4,000 years after they were slaves in Egypt, or that their God would be worshipped throughout human history. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important, pivotal point in history. It was 2,000 years ago, and the resurrection of Jesus is the most pivotal point in history still today. Imagine going back in time and trying to explain to the pharaohs what's going to happen in the future. They would have never believed you, that what God did is a miracle. And so we've been looking at the very beginning of God's story with mankind and woven through the whole story of Genesis is the uh, offer of relationship. If we take a close look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, what we see is God's desire to have a relationship with us. And then if you take chapter 12 of Genesis and you go through the rest of the Bible, what you see is God's desire to have a relationship with us. How we rebel, how we go our own way, and how God draws us back into relationship. That's always been his goal. That's always been his desire. We were created in the image of God, and as we talked about in Genesis, then because of sin, that image was distorted, that image was broken, and and now we struggle with identity, and we struggle with who we are, and, and what we're supposed to look like, and so we chase identities. We chase images of what we think is acceptable, and we try to see how if it's about how we look, or what we do, or where we live, or what we drive, and we do, we spend billions of dollars in all of our energy trying to figure out our identity, trying to figure out who, what we're supposed to look like because it's been lost in our culture. And, and so one of the results of that is we're crazy about genealogies, right? I mean, it's one of the fastest growing hobbies in America today. Everybody wants to find their genealogy. And so I got sucked into it because my wife's family traced themselves all the way back to the Mayflower. And as best I could tell, we were pretty much stuck in Oklahoma. So I decided I was going to find out 
our genealogy, and, and uh, uh, I started on you know, Ancestry.com and, and uh, started paying my 10 bucks a month and trying to find my family. I got on my mom's side of the family. It seemed a little bit easier. But there were, her maiden name was Henry, and, and sure enough, I got all the way back to Aberdeen, Scotland in the 1700s, and I found out that, that the, the Henry family moved to the U.S., and that I had an uncle whose name was Patrick Henry, and he kind of said famous things and was one of the founding fathers, you know, give, give me liberty, give me death, all that, and, and, and uh, so, uh, you know, we have a picture, there's Uncle Pat right there, and <laughs> I know, and one of the things that's happened, one of the crazy things is that, that people keep telling me that there is an uncanny family resemblance between me and, and Uncle Pat. I don't know if you can see it. We'll try to blow it up just a little bit and see if it comes out, but there we are. Just, just fa- you know, I don't know. It's crazy. Isn't it wild family how that works? But okay, that's enough. That's good. <laughs> but here's the truth that we'll never completely understand the importance of identity until we see ourselves in Christ. We spend our lives searching for meaning in a million different places, school, career, relationships, popularity, money, and too often our identity, we get our identity through what we think other people think of us. We view ourselves through the lens of other people, so if they think we're good, if they think we're successful, if they think we're attractive, then that's where we get our identity, and it leads us down a false trail that never really works for us, and people chase that. And then we get discouraged, we get incredibly insecure, and we're haunted by fear that we're never good enough, and we struggle with anxiety and depression. We spend billions of dollars every year trying to fix that with medication, or we use drugs or alcohol or all kinds of things to to try to escape because we're missing that identity in our lives. In his letter to the Philippian church, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him, referring to Jesus, who gives me strength. That Paul says that here's the secret to contentment. Here's what I found out is that I belong to Jesus, that I get my strength, I get my identity, I get my security in him, that it's in him and through him that all of this happens, that that's where it begins And that's where it ends, with Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're looking for something that anchors us, that gives us identity. And here's the good news, is that we can be part of the biggest and the bestest family ever when we belong to him. God has given us that promise. Galatians 3 tells us that through Jesus, we've been adopted as sons and daughters and heirs to all of God's promises and all of God's blessings, that we belong to him, that we have that through Jesus, that we are sons and daughters. Can you imagine this, that we have the right, we talked about this last week in John 1, 12, that to all who believed in him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God, that the God of the universe who created all things, who hung the stars, who hung the sun and the moon, that God The great God says, you are my children. You are sons and daughters of the king, that we belong to him. If you want an identity, if you want a place, it begins with the God who loves you, the God who created everything. And he's given us the right, the privilege, 
the gift to be called sons and daughters. And, and so I want to look at this because God has promised us this. He's promised us so many things. And, and so we're going to talk this morning what I call the bonus chapter. We've been through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and now we're going to take a quick look at chapter 12. And it's the story of Abraham. And it's a story that reminds us of God's promises and how God keeps his promises. So Genesis 12 begins this way. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to, that, to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Now, if you remember in chapter 11, we talked about the Tower of Babel and the ziggurat that they built. And, and what did they say? Let's build this tower all the way to the heavens and let's make a name for ourselves. And it didn't work out so well for them. But here is God saying, if you trust me, I will make your name great. I will do it for you. And he says, I will do that so that you will be a blessing. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great so that you then in turn can be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families on the earth shall be blessed. What an amazing, incredible promise that God has made. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was, seven, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old, and he leaves everything. Trust God. And so here's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about God's promises. We're going to talk about promises and faith. God's promises to us and what activates those promises in our lives is faith. So look at the, the themes of promise and faith. Look at God's promises that he made to Abram here. He says, I will show you the land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a great blessing. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God promises all of that to Abram. And we don't know how God called to Abram, but what we know is that Abram obeyed God. And we know that to see the promises that God gave him come to pass, Abram had to be faithful. Abram had to have extraordinary faith. He left Haran, uh, where he lived, his, his relatives, his family, everything that he had known, and he moved out into the unknown. He went from a city out into nowhere with no idea where he was going or where he would end up, all because of God's promise. And it makes me wonder that if Abram, who had no scripture, no clear destination, if, it makes me wonder, is he that much better than me? Is he that much more courageous than I am? Because I really want to know where I'm going. I really want to know what's the end. I, I, I'm going to set off, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, but show me where this is going to end up for me, okay? Show me where I'm going. Show me what the end looks like, because I, I'm just stepping out into the unknown, God, and I need to know that, I need to know where this is going to land. I need to know where this is going to end up. And, and God tells Abram, no, I just want you to go. I just want you to leave everything. I want you to obey me. I want you to step out in faith and trust me. I've made you promises, but to see those promises happen, you need to trust me and go. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm directionally challenged. So if you put me in my living room and turn me around three times, I can get to the bedroom about two out of three times, right? I mean, I'm just 
I have no sense of direction whatsoever. My, Jenna's got a much better sense of direction, but we have this crazy time together whenever we travel because I, I don't know where I'm going, so I'm gonna call Siri. I'm gonna tell Siri, Siri, here's the address. This is where I need to be. You get me there, and I'm gonna trust Siri to get me there, but Jenna, she's got Waze and Siri, and she's got all these other you know, Google Maps and all this stuff, and so she's like looking at three different ways to get everywhere, and she's telling me, now if you get off the freeway here, then we can take these turns, and we can go on these surface streets, and I'm like, no, I'm listening to Siri. Don't interrupt me, stop. I have no idea where we are. And we go through this all the time. You would just laugh with us because it's, it's the Keystone Cops. It's wild when we travel like that. But she kind of has this sense of where she's supposed to be, and I'm on the other hand. I'm just, if I, don't, if I don't follow Siri, I'm not getting there. It's just I'm completely lost. Well, Abraham didn't have any of those things. He, he, he couldn't phone a friend. He couldn't call Siri. He couldn't go on Waze, the Waze app, or, or call Google Maps, or do any of those things. He, he, God told him to go, and I will show you the land, and you have no idea where you're going, and you have no idea what's coming, but I just want you to trust me and go. And you know what's crazy is in verse four, it just says, and he went. He left. He trusted God, and because he trusted God, what happened in his life? is nothing short of a miracle. What God did, he blessed the nations. And the stories of Abram and his family, they're not an end in themselves, but they're part of God's larger purpose, what God was gonna do in history, what he was gonna do in the world. It was part of his big story. God gave Abram a radical promise. Here he was, 75 years old, he'd never had any kids, and God says, you're gonna be the father of a multitude of nations. I'd call that a big promise. And you know, we're just starting to get a little bit more historical evidence. You start in chapter 12, or chapter 12 of Genesis and, and we move in kind of new era where we found you know, archeological finds and we find more um, historical evidence. And so here's what we know is that the story begins in Ur, which was founded in around 5000 BC. And, and Ur was a huge metropolitan area. It covered a large expanse. It's believed in its heyday around the time of Abram, uh, somewhere between 1500 and 2000 BC, that there were approximately 200,000 people living uh, in this area. It was the New York City of its day, and some, for some reason, Terra, Abram's father, decides they need to move, and so they move to a place called Haran, and there they set up shop with their family. And what we believe from history is that Terah was an idol maker, that that's how he made his living, forming uh, idols and, and selling them to people to worship other gods. In fact, Abram probably means uh, that God, it probably is uh, from, Father is exalted, and it comes from worshiping the moon god of Ur. They worshiped all kinds of gods, but their primary god was the moon god of Ur, Hence, they were the first Moonies in history, okay? Just thought I'd throw that in. You're welcome. If you're under 40, ask an older person. They'll tell you they are. All right. But uh, they, left, they left Ur, and they moved to Haran, and that's where Abraham had his roots. Our, and that's where he grew up. And, that, and from Haran, God called him to leave, and verse 4 is so simple, so Abram went. He didn't have any directions. He uprooted his family. He followed God, and he stepped out on faith because God gave him 
a promise because God said go. I mean, what a powerful picture in our lives. I don't, know, I don't know if there's something in your life. I don't know if there's, that God is telling you to go. I don't know if God is telling you to, to, to risk, if you, to step out in faith, to do something different, to, to try something. I don't know if God is calling you in that way, but I want you to understand that the way to unlock his promises, and do you know there are more than 7,000 promises in the Bible? And God says, if you want to unlock those, you do it by faith. Trust me. Go. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, again, we've talked about this, Jesus says, wherever you go, make disciples. But go and make disciples. Go and trust me. It's not about having the right words. It's not about knowing all the right things. It's not about having everything down and everything pat and, and being able to argue with people and win debates and all. It's about going and saying, God, I trust you. And, and I want to see your promises fulfilled. I want to see what you can do when I put my faith in you because I believe in you. And Abram went. And the result of that's pretty powerful. The result of that in 17th chapter of Genesis that God gave him a new name. That he said, you've been Abram, but I'm giving you a new name. You're Abraham. You are the father of a multitude of nations that you, you are a new creation, that I am doing something, I am unlocking something in your life, I'm gonna change the world through you, and we are here today because Abraham stepped out, because Abraham obeyed God, and God kept his promises, and God keeps his promises to us. John 1.12 says, whoever believes in him, he gives the right to be called children of God and heir to God's kingdom, and so I thought this morning I would just offer you a few other promises that God gives us. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise from God. In Matthew 28, he says, 28, 20, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are promises of God. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I'd say amen to that one right there. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord, in other translations, says those who wait upon the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. <laughs> God says, not, God's not up there saying, again? You're asking for wisdom again? Wisdom again? You didn't get it last time. You didn't do it right last time. God gives generously to us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God. In Philippians 4, 6 to 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 28 
And, if, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? That's a promise from God. And finally, Romans 8, 37 to 39 says this, No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, uh, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a promise from God. And to unlock this promise, God says, have faith. Trust me. How do we activate these promises in our life? Is there a secret? Is there a secret handshake? Is there a quiz that you have to take? Is something that you have to pass? Something you have to do? He says, no. The key to unlocking God's promises in your life is faith. And the question is, are you willing to trust him with your life, with your future, with your family, with all that you are? And I have to make this decision every single day. I have to decide every morning that I'm going to trust God, that I'm going to give my life to him, that I'm going to have faith in him, that I'm going to receive his promises because I'm going to be willing to go. And in moments of my day and moments of my life that, that I'm uncertain, in moments of my life that there are decisions, I have to decide again and again and again every day and throughout the day, do I really trust God? Do I really believe that he'll keep his promises? Am I willing to go? Am I willing to trust him with my whole life, with my family, with everything that I have? Am I willing to do that, to see God unlock his promises in my life? To see God not only to to keep his promises, but to make my life a blessing for others. You see, God's big story isn't just about me. God's big story isn't just about you. God says, here's what I want to do. I want to make your life bigger than you ever dreamed. I want to make your life more powerful than you ever imagined because I'm not just blessing you so that you can feel blessed. I'm blessing you so that your life can make a difference. I'm blessing you so that you can bless others, so that your life matters in the world. It's about God's big story, and we want to be part of that. We really do. We want to be part of what God's doing in the world. We want our lives to matter for something that's bigger than us. It's it's not just about bless me so that I can feel better today. I can feel more secure. I can feel happier. I can feel better about myself. You see, God didn't come into my life to make me a better version of me. He came into my life to make me a new creation in him. He came into my life so that I could bless others. He came into my life so I could be part of his story in the world. And he wants your story to be his story. He wants your life to be bigger. He wants to bless you so that your life can bless others. And the question is, the big question is, do you trust him? Are you willing to step out in faith? Are you willing to believe in him? Are you willing to activate those promises because you're saying, Lord, I will go. I will do what you call me to do. I'll do what you tell me. And and we do that every day. We choose faith every day, even when we don't know the destination, even we don't know, we're not sure of the outcome, even when we don't think we will even like the outcome. Am I willing to trust him? Am I willing to step out? 
Will I choose faith? And we have the promise and we live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So here's the big question this morning. We've seen, we've seen how big God is, that he's the creator of everything. He's the beginning and the end. He did all of this for us. He's invited us into a relationship. And now he says, will you give me your life? Will you trust me? Because I've made all of these promises. I have all of these things that I want to do in your life and through your life. I want to make your life a blessing. I want to make your life bigger than you could ever imagine. But yet, will you trust me? Will you live by faith and not by sight? Will you choose faith this morning? That's what the Lord's asking us. You have to decide. You know, and you might be here this morning and you've never, you've never invited Christ into your life. You've never put your faith in him to start things off. And I would tell you that today's the best day I can imagine to do that. Today would be a great day to give your life to Christ. But maybe, you, maybe you're around stuff all the time and you've, you've been a person of faith for, you know, years, and, but, but you've just sort of slid into kind of what's safe and comfortable for you. And God's been nudging you to go and God's been nudging you to do something and, and you, you, just, you just don't want to go. You just don't want to step out. And God's saying this morning, do you want to? Do you want to experience my promises? Do you want your life to, imagine, to, to matter? Then trust me. So here's the question this morning. Will you trust him? Will you step out on faith? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, your word is true. Lord, and we acknowledge this morning that we don't, we, it, left to ourselves, we'd prefer safety. We prefer comfort. We even prefer to just look good for other people. And Lord, we know that that's not the life that you've called us to, that's not the life that you've offered us, and it's not the life that unlocks the promises that you've given us. And so Lord, this morning we, we want to put our faith and our trust in you, Lord. We want to see you make our life bigger than we could ever imagine. We want to be a blessing to others. Thank you for the picture that we have with Abraham. Thank you that we are sons and daughters and heirs to your kingdom and your blessings and all that you have to offer, Lord. And this morning, we want to receive that, but we want to have faith. We want to have the courage to step out. And Lord, we know we can't even do that on our own, so we ask you to be our strength. We ask you, Lord, to be our courage. We give ourselves to you today for your kingdom and for your blessing. And we thank you. And we give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In just a moment, We'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Wouldn't you like to experience his love crashing wave after wave 
over you this morning? Now, I got a hot tip for you. You got to be in the water. You can't be standing on the side. You can't be on the shore. But the only way we experience that love of God, like wave after wave, is when we get out and we're in the middle of it. And we trust him and go. And then he always keeps his promises. So we have prayer partners. I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you have a need, I encourage you to take advantage of that. And then also the prayer table. Write your prayer requests down and we'll be praying with you and for you throughout the week. And my prayer is pretty simple. That we would make the decision that we would choose to faith. That we would choose to trust God that we would give him the opportunity through our faith to open the, the doors of his promises in our lives, that we might experience him. And it might be a little bit scary, I guarantee it. Uh, it might be a little bit challenging. We don't know where we're going or where we're going to end up, but, man, we know who we're with. We know who we trust. We trust in Jesus. I love you guys. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.